Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A listener note. This podcast contains strong language and disturbing content. It was almost a year since Rose West's conviction. People in Gloucester were trying to get back to normal. But before that could happen, there was another job to do. In October 1996, Cromwell Street was closed to the public. Police stood guard as workmen moved in with heavy equipment. The local council, which now owns the building, handed the keys to a demolition company first thing this morning. For two years, number 25 had stood empty. Its windows bricked up, the cellar filled with concrete. The police excavations had been so extensive that the house and its neighbour, number 23, were no longer structurally sound. No one wanted to live there ever again. It was time to tear the building down. The demolition was planned in meticulous detail. They've been given instructions to bring the house down brick by brick. The timbers will then be burnt and the bricks ground to dust. The rubble was loaded onto trucks and buried at a secret location to foil souvenir hunters. The house of horrors was gone. Three of the West's other children have left flowers outside the house in memory of their sister Heather, one of the victims. Their note reads, The sad memories of this house will go with it, but memories of you will always stay. Twenty-five Cromwell Street was no more, but questions remained. In this final part of the series, we bring the story up to date and look at the unsolved mysteries of the case. From something else, this is Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes. Episode 12, The Aftermath. I'm Howard Soons, author of Fred and Rose. Fred West was dead, and Rose West was serving a whole life sentence in prison, having been convicted of ten murders. The judge said that she should never be released. But that didn't close the book on the story. Janet Leach, the appropriate adult, had testified in court that Fred had claimed to have killed 20 more victims. This may have been a gross exaggeration, but there is good reason to believe there were more victims. The West killed repeatedly in the 1970s, claiming five victims in 1973-74 alone, 
and there were years with no known victims and none since 1987. This is unusual. Once they start killing, serial killers generally continue until they are caught, and Fred's first murder was way back in 1967. Detectives believe other murders may have happened in what they call the gaps in the killing years. Then there was the mystery of the missing bones. None of the West victims were found intact. All had missing bones, mostly fingers and toes, but also large bones. What had the West done with these body parts? Where are they now? With reporters asking these questions, the officer in charge of the investigation, Detective Superintendent John Bennett, gave a press conference after Rose West's trial. Can you close the door, please? The man who led this murder investigation today indicated that the file on Rosemary West might not yet be closed. He appealed for information about the whereabouts of nine other women who lived with the Wests and have since disappeared. He told a packed news conference he still hoped they would be found alive and well. There may not be any more victims. That is, there's nothing certain in that. And I think that hopefully that is the case. All investigations are open and unknown. You don't ever really know the whole story in any inquiry. Mr. Bennett was later able to account for all but one of these women, all except a teenager named Donna Lynn Moore. Donna's father is thought to have been stationed in the UK with the United States Air Force. When her parents returned to the USA, Donna stayed in England. Witnesses say that she lodged at Cromwell Street in 1973 and was known there by the nickname of Yankee Doodle. Despite strenuous efforts by police, in Britain and the USA, neither Donna nor her family has ever been traced. In 1968, a teenager named Mary Bastholm disappeared after going to catch a bus in Gloucester. I think I would like to see it all over and done with now. This is Mary's brother, Peter Bastholm, and his wife, Denise, in 1994. It's been going on for 26 years now, and I would certainly wouldn't like it to go on for another 26 years. I've kept in touch with Peter and Denise, they're a quiet, elderly couple living with their cat in a small house in Gloucester. Peter served in the Royal Navy. When he was at sea, Denise saw a lot of his younger sister, Mary. Shortly after she left school, Mary got a job waitressing at the Pop-In Cafe in Gloucester. The cafe had a rough reputation. Fred West was a regular customer. Her mum said no, she wasn't to go, to go there to work. But Mary being Mary, she kept on with give her any peace, really. The circumstances of Mary's disappearance sound eerily familiar. 
the 15-year-old went out alone on the evening of the 6th of January, 1968, to catch a bus on the Bristol Road in Gloucester. She was carrying a bag containing the board game Monopoly. And you say it was a it was a it was a rainy night the night. Oh, it was she... an awful night. It was stormy. That was it was snowing. It was oh, that... snowing. Yeah, because buzzes. That's the reason she got confused with the time she had to be at that bus stop. But it's a night. In all honesty, it was a night she should never have gone out. It wasn't a nice night. It was snowy, and I believe because it was that bad, buzzes were taken off the roads anyway. Mary insisted on going out because she had a date with her boyfriend, who lived in a village near Gloucester. He was waiting for her. But Mary never arrived. Because she didn't get off the bus, <coughs> he went to, back to your mum's yeah. um, to ask where she was, and that's when panic set in and they went round the hospitals first to see if, if anything had happened to her as regards car accidents anything mary's disappearance was out of character so the police were alerted we didn't really know if i'm honest we just didn't know what to think and was peter abroad when the, when yeah, the news broke that's right because you came home didn't you your mum yeah, wrote, wrote to the in, in the royal navy yeah yeah and you came home. Hmm. I, I, I always remember I'd been ashore drinking and when I came back to the ship there was a signal waiting for me and the signal said, Sister Mary missing, parents distressed. Gosh. I always, always remember that one. The police mounted a huge search for Mary with more than 300 officers, divers, tracker dogs and a helicopter. All they found were a few Monopoly pieces scattered in the snow. Five years later, Mary's name came up again when Lucy Partington disappeared from a bus stop and again in 1994 when Lucy's remains were found at Cromwell Street. Everything pointed to Mary being another West victim, probably killed by Fred the year after he murdered Anna McFall, who moved down from Glasgow to share his caravan. But Fred refused to discuss Mary with the police. He told a guard, they think they know it all, but they don't know the half of it. He told visitors he had killed Mary and others but he would only talk about this when he was ready. Peter Bastholm, whose sister is still unaccounted for, says the investigation must continue. I would hopefully uh, think that the police would not shelve it now, and I don't think they will. I'd like them to carry on and, if you like, go into phase two of the investigations. After the police found Anna McFall's remains in June 1994, there were no further excavations. Detective Superintendent Bennett told Peter Bastholm that he thought Fred had murdered Mary, 
but Fred wasn't talking about it, and the police didn't know where else to dig. And do you think the police should have kept, you know, digging and searching, or do you think they did all they could? Uh, sometimes I do, and then other times I think, well, um, where? Where do they look? You know, it's money, isn't it, at the end of the day? It's, they don't know where to look. She could be anywhere. I guess the theory is, wherever she is, there may be other others with her. This, this is it, even. You can't, uh, you know... Uh, I mean... You, Put it to the back of your mind. It's at the back of the mind. You... It's hard to think at some point it would not somehow come to light, but maybe it never will. Um, well, it's been 25 uh, years. Well, it's been 50 years, hasn't it? 50 years. It's been 50 years. For us. You, obviously, you wonder, you, you wonder what's, it's not ever going to go away, but you just sort of got to get on with, with things. Every now and again, something might pop up, but uh, apart from that, it's, um, you know, it's been such a long time now, and I don't think um, we're ever going to know, to be honest with you. I, I, you know, I just don't think we will. Fred was a liar and a fantasist. But the mystery of Mary Bastholm's disappearance bolsters the theory that there were more victims. If Fred did murder Mary, why didn't he say where he buried her? Like many serial killers, Fred enjoyed playing games with detectives. Perhaps the most likely and alarming reason could be to do with the location of Mary's remains. Clearly, she wasn't buried with the victims that have been found, so there must be another grave. Maybe that grave contains other bodies that Fred wasn't ready to talk about. there was another line of inquiry in the search for possible victims. Several of the girls who were killed came from troubled backgrounds. Some spent time in care homes, including Alison Chambers, Carol Ann Cooper and Juanita Mott. The Wests preyed on such girls and had known links to a care home near Gloucester. Gloucestershire County Council set up a review to look into this, it was led by senior social worker John Fitzgerald, who we heard from in episode six. He had two lines of inquiry. One was to look at what the various care agencies um, knew about the Wests over a 30-year period, and the other was to try and trace just over 2,000, just over 2,000 young people who'd been in residential care in Gloucester and to try and make sure that we could find them so that we knew whether they were safe and well, but also to know whether they'd had any links with the Wests. The investigation covered three decades. John's team had to find all the care staff who had encountered Fred and Rose and over 2,000 people who had been in care and may have come into contact with the Wests. And we found all but three. All, all but three. And we, and we don't know what happened to those three. Well, yeah, but we, we just have no idea. Once they left, of course, they could go anywhere. Um, we have no idea whether they were alive. We have no idea whether they're dead. 
We don't know whether if they were dead, it was through natural causes. Were the West responsible for the disappearance of these three girls? I doubt very much whether those three we could find today. I have tried. I've had a look on social media, never found them, which suggests that either they wanted to disappear or they're no longer alive. You had names. Oh, yeah. So even in recent years, have you looked online for those yes. names? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, although it's 25 years on, those names have stayed with you. You've, you haven't forgotten them, as it were. No, it's very difficult to forget. Their names are still legally protected and have never been released. If those three are mixed up with him, we have no idea where we'll find them. And we'll only find them if someone is able to come forward and say, yeah, I know where they are. And do you have fears for them? One has to accept that it is a possibility that something untoward has happened to them. But I can't say that that is the case because nobody knows. These three missing girls would be in addition to Mary Bastome and the lodger Donna Lynn Moore, if there is a connection. Coming up, what happened to the West children? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The West case took its toll on everyone involved and still casts a shadow. There were many victims, and not just the dead and their grieving families, but the women and children who were abused by the Wests. Nobody who heard Anna Marie give evidence in court will ever forget her terrible story of abuse. She has had a difficult adult life. Anna Marie was rescued from the River Severn in 1999, having taken overdoses in the past. She has, however, managed to build a family life in Gloucester, where she still lives. Her younger sister, May, lives under a new name away from Gloucester. 
For years, she found it difficult to accept that her mother was a murderer and continued to visit her in prison and exchange letters. Eventually, she broke off contact. The five youngest children, Tara, Louise, Barry, Rosemary Jr. and Luciana, were all taken into care in 1992. They were given new names and grew up in foster families away from Gloucester. As a result, they have had little or no contact with their mother since the 1990s, but they have all had their own struggles. As for Rose, she remains one of the most notorious prisoners in the UK. After the trial, her solicitor requested leave to appeal, but this was denied. In her letters to May, Rose wrote that she was reasonably happy in prison. She had a pet budgie named Oliver. She enjoyed listening to the radio and struck up a pen power relationship with the musician named Dave Glover, who played bass guitar in the rock band Slade. Rose briefly entertained the idea of marrying Glover. Many people involved in the case have died. Fred, of course. Caroline Owens, who escaped from Cromwell Street, passed away recently, as did Fred's sister-in-law, Christine West, whom I used to speak to. Fred's sister, Kitty, died in 2006... There have been a string of suicides linked to the case. Fred's hippie friend, Terry Crick, killed himself two months after giving evidence in Rose's trial, apparently blaming himself for not doing more to stop Fred. Then there's Fred's brother, John West. It was John who attacked me when I approached him in 1995. During Rose West's trial, the court heard a sensational allegation that John West was involved in the murders, though this couldn't be reported at the time. The appropriate adult, Janet Leach, said that Fred told her John had taken part in killing Anna McFall and Heather West. It's hard to know how much credence to give Fred's stories about John. The brothers fell out in the 1990s. Fred was a liar and John was never charged with murder. But in 1996, John West stood trial for sexual offences linked to Cromwell Street. He denied the charges, but the day before the jury retired to consider their verdict, he hanged himself. There's one member of the West family I haven't mentioned yet. Hello. Hi, Steve. Hello there. It's Howard. Hi, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. This is a recent phone call with Steve West. Yeah, it's um, 25 years since we spoke. Do you remember? Mm, yes. yes, definitely. Yeah. Long time, isn't it? It's gone quick, though. 
Well, yeah, well, it, it's uh, it's certainly gone anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. How, how, how are you? Good. Yeah? yeah? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Settled and a couple of little ones and, yeah. I guess you're what, you're in, in your 40s now? 45 on Sunday. Okay. Because when I met you, you were a, really a young young guy. 19. And it was a very, very difficult time, wasn't it? it sort of chaotic. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it carried on being that way for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, it didn't really get much easier, really, because once everything had died down, you know, then I had to obviously deal with the fact that that the past and that time it had on me, really, I guess. Yeah, how did you, how, yeah. did, you, how did you cope with it? Not very well at times. Um, I cope through work, really, just threw myself into work. But, right. yeah. but you know what? That's not always the best way because you kind of have a tendency to hide and bottle up everything and, you know, ended up in trouble and, you know, it's just stupid. Yeah. But. Yeah. A chain of sexual offences runs through generations of the West family. Several years after Rose's trial... Her son Steve became another link in this chain. In 2004, he was jailed for having underage sex with a 14-year-old girl. He was sentenced to nine months in prison. You can imagine what it must have been like inside for me, especially as they sent me straight to Gloucester prison. Most people may have little or no sympathy for Steve, despite his dreadful start in life. I mean, if, it, if he hadn't sent me to prison, I don't think I'd be alive today, without a doubt. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I came out a better person and made massive changes to my life, to where I behaved, got help, which I'm still under now. Steve says that his conviction made him face up to his childhood at 25 Cromwell Street. I always believed that I came out of it unscathed, do you know what I mean? Yeah. As you do as a as a guy, I, I guess you think I'm better than that, I'm tougher than that. But the truth was, I didn't come out of it unscathed at all. So um, I had to I had to grow up. He also had to deal with the truth about his parents. And I think you know I cut contact with my mum as well, and I think that was important. You cut contact. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. it was important. I did that. I, I had to. You know, I hear she's not well, I hear she's probably not got long anyway, but... Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I've, I've, I've heard a few bits and pieces from, from from certain people who know a bit closer than me, but saying that she's uh, she's quite unwell, but... When did you last have contact with Mum? Um, 99, I think she called me. Right. Um, but, yeah... Just, just with the hate, and just blame me for everything, and yeah. Mm. I said I should have died when I was born, and all that sort of stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, and I was a disgrace to the family. On the debatable question of who bears primary responsibility for the murders, Fred or Rose, Steve is clear. You know, it's hard for me to say this without someone jumping down my throat and saying, oh, yeah, but you're protecting your father. I'm not protecting him at all. You know, what he did was awful. There's no doubt about that. What I'm saying is that she was the callous, 
the evil, spiteful, you know, vindictive, manipulative person out of them. I just felt, you know, when I reflect, that he was just a minion, in a way. He just did what she wanted him to do. I'm not saying he didn't get any gratification from it. I'm sure he did. But basically, you know, the torture and everything, it was driven by her. But he was able to produce it. I'm not saying that he didn't have it, but he didn't show it towards us. There was a softer side that you saw where we never, ever saw that softer side of mum. So I think she was the driving force in the pair. And I feel that people don't really get that. They look at him and they think, oh, him and not his poor wife by any means, but his, um, I don't know, controlled wife who was, you know, brought into this. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it was that way at all. Well, I know it wasn't. I was there. I saw it. I witnessed it. The way he was around her, I think he just wanted to please her, really. He was terrified of her, without a doubt. Right up to the day he died, he was terrified of her and what he, what she could do. Yeah. Rose West has never confessed to any crimes or given her children a full apology for the abuse they suffered. She lays all the blame at Fred's door. She lives in a state of denial and seems likely to take the secrets of Cromwell Street with her to the grave. The case also had its effect on me. In December 1995, two years of work came to a head with the publication of my book, Fred and Rose. It was a bestseller. But I'd had enough of the horror. I left the mirror to write full-time and chose a very different next project, a biography of the poet Charles Bukowski. Still, the case has remained part of my life. I was happy to leave tabloid journalism behind, and the West case had an impact there. Reporters paid or promised to pay 26 trial witnesses. This almost derailed the trial. Partly as a result, newspapers later agreed not to offer potential witnesses money for stories unless it was in the public interest. If they did, they would declare it. In truth, it was always risky to do deals with potential witnesses because of the Contempt of Court Act. But in a really big story, journalists pushed the rules to the limit. The real difference between 1994 and now is that newspapers have less money to spend. Interest in murder hasn't gone away. True crime is one of the most popular podcast categories. The 
The story of Fred and Rose West confronts us with the darkest side of human behaviour. Revisiting the case 25 years on, their cruelty remains as shocking as ever. But rather than dismiss Fred and Rose as inexplicable monsters, it is better to try and understand them and learn lessons for the future. As we have heard in this series, Fred and Rose came from dysfunctional homes. They went on to abuse women and girls for their sexual pleasure, and that abuse was so extreme it often ended in death. They escaped detection for decades partly because the people who did see or hear warning signs failed to understand what was going on or didn't feel able to speak out. Looking back on my work on this story in the 1990s, I got swept up in the excitement at times and made some mistakes. With hindsight, I'm more alive to the cost of the crimes. There were many victims in this case, certainly more than the official count of 12. Even if life for some had been rough, all those women and girls had hopes for the future. Anna, Charmaine, Rena, Linda, Carol Ann, Lucy, Therese, Shirley Hubbard, Juanita, Shirley Robinson, Alison and Heather. They were desperately unlucky to fall into the hands of Fred and Rose West. Today there is an alley where 25 Cromwell Street once stood, leading to the square behind. Only the faintest trace of the house remains, a line of sealant on the adjacent Seventh-day Adventist church where Fred fixed the flat roof of his illegal extension. If you found yourself in this part of Gloucester, you probably wouldn't notice anything. But Cromwell Street has become infamous, attracting many sightseers. One winter afternoon in 2019, two women in their 60s walked nervously towards where number 25 stood. They had more than a passing interest this was once their home. One was Jill Britt, the former lodger. She still lives in Gloucester. Claire, the friend she once lived with, was back visiting. And we had a little wander around the town. She wanted to see how much Gloucester had changed. And so I said, come on, let's go walk down by where Limbar's. That was our supermarket. So you walk down by Wellington Street. We used to cut across the car park. Come on, Claire. Remember, me and you, we gripped each other's arm. I said, come on, we're going down here. We walked down to Cromwell Street. Claire was very, very nervous, very anxious. And I reassured her, come on, Claire, we had some fantastic memories. I went down there, stood where number 25 Cromwell used to be, you know, like it's the walkway. I said, right, we'll stand here. And we were gripping each other's arms. I said, this was our days. And we're here. By the grace of God. 
We were here to tell the tale. Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, was written and presented by Howard Soons. The producer was Paul Smith. The executive producer was Russell Finch. The mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. The title music was composed by Shani Aviram, with additional production from Steve Ackerman, Antonia Udunlami, Ben Maidley and Alice Lutchins. Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, is a Something Else production. Also from something else. How did we get here? With Claudia Winkleman and Professor Tanya Byron. In these in-depth one-on-one therapy sessions, we dig deep into personal stories with fascinating and emotional revelations. A passionate, insightful, and moving experience with clear outcomes to each episode. He is as anxious about attachment with you as you are with him. Oh, wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Oh, that's a weird feeling. Wait, so... Oh, God. Don't you just feel like, whoa, why didn't I know that all along? Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 